This podcast is based on Peter Navarro's best-selling new book, Taking Back Trump's America, available on Amazon today. With the Biden regime failing in virtually every dimension and the radical Pelosiites fanning the flames of inflation with every new pork barrel bill, we urgently need to take back this country. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint and battle cry for taking back the House of Representatives in 2022 and the White House in 2024 under the red, white, and blue banner of Trumpism. So please, buy your copy of Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon. Action, action, action. Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome back to the Taking Back Trump's America podcast. With Tony Fauci now having announced his early retirement this coming December, he had promised to stay on to the end of the Biden regime. I thought it might be fun to reprise an appearance I made on the Two Mics podcast for you because it drills down into what I believe to be the worst crime of Tony Fauci. That would be his liable mission in January of 2020 when he likely knew full well that not only was the China virus from the Wuhan lab, but that Fauci himself was likely culpable in creating that virus by transferring a technology known as gain-of-function research to the communist Chinese. There is little question in my mind that Fauci is retiring in December to avoid what is going to be a flood of subpoenas from the House of Representatives in January after the Republicans take over in what should be a landslide victory in November. My advice to Tony Fauci is to either man up and show up on Capitol Hill or seek political asylum in communist China, the only country Fauci is likely going to be welcome after the truth comes out about the virus. At any rate, please enjoy this podcast be sure to check out the Taking Back Trump's America book on Amazon. My Taking Back Trump's America book is our best insurance policy against continued Democrat rule. It is the blueprint and battle cry to take back the House from the Pelosiites in 2022 and the White House for Trump in 2024. Without further ado, here are the two mics and my interview. Hey, welcome back. You're on with two mics, Dr. Michael Scheuer and Colonel Mike. Hey, today, guess who we got on? Dr. Peter Navarro. Dr. Peter Navarro is probably going to hit the circuit. He's Twittering, he's twattering, he's Facebooking. He's got the hottest book out on the, and it's coming out and it's going strong. And you know who he is. He was the last man standing, the only guy, loyalist as they come, Donald J. Trump. President of the United States. Notice I said president of the United States. I didn't say the former president. Okay. So let's get him on right away. He's probably got five or six shows. Thanks for coming on two mics today. Dr. Navarro, welcome to two mics. Well, what, uh, what up, gentlemen? I'm on a mic myself, uh, but it's a different kind of mic here. And uh, great to be talking to you guys. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, that election was stolen. That's one of the themes of the In Trump Time book. It's also the the Fauci fire and the uh, get China and hold them accountable for this pandemic. There's just a lot of stuff in it. Uh, yeah, basically, in Trump time, the subtitle says it all. It's uh, a journal of America's plague year. And what I did, guys, is uh, I actually kept a daily journal um, every night when I went home. I'd write down kind of what what happened and sometimes what did not happen. And um, I got the receipts and. Um, 
it's not a pretty picture in uh, in a lot of ways. Well, Dr. Navarro, we we were following you as far as the trade. You were hitting it hard on China. You had that special appointment anyway by the president of the United States. And uh, just just to touch on Fauci, I'm just curious because, you know, you were in a room with these guys and I'm surprised that a lot of people in the Trump administration did not realize that one hundred and ninety billion dollars went through this guy's hands over the lifespan of him being a bureaucrat. And, you know, he was a Mickey Mouse guy from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? And then you say to yourself, who is this guy that handled $190 billion? And, you know, Dr. Navarro, when you're carrying $190 billion, you could pay off anybody, anywhere in the world, anytime. Uh, let's remember Mickey Mouse was a rodent. So when you describe Fauci as, as Mickey Mouse, let's, let's remember the rodent part. Let me tell you, um, in the In Trump Time book, Chapter 2, um, is when I first met uh, Fauci, and it's a really interesting story. Uh, it's January 28, 2020. Uh, I've been dispatched by President Trump to go to the iconic Situation Room in the basement of the White House to convince the uh, task force to support the president in his decision to pull down the flights from communist China. Uh, right then, they, they, we were at the very dawn of the pandemic. Uh, the, the boss and I, uh, Robert O'Brien, is the national security advisor. We're really the only three people in the White House who were taking the pandemic seriously um, at that point. I had written a book 14 years earlier that predicted communist China would stick us with a with a pandemic and kill millions at some point. So I, I was on high alert. So. I walk into the sit room and um, there's there's Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff uh, down at the end of the table. I got the, the one of Pompeo's hacks on my left shoulder, um, the, the doppelganger for Orville Redenbacher, a.k.a. Uh, Dr. Robert Redfield, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the bumbling. Um, the CDC director, and then you've got the like the preening uh, Azar, he's the Secretary of Health and Services. Mike, I knew right then that I would have to fight those four guys for, for a variety of reasons um, in support of the president. But there's this little guy sitting across from me. He's got these little round glasses on. Don't know who he is. Don't know he's a saint. Don't know he's a walks on water. Don't know he's an icon. And within two minutes, Two minutes, I'm in a shouting match with this SOB. And all he keep, can keep saying is, is travel bans don't work, right? And I'm going, dude, I actually <laughs> called him, dude. Uh, you mean to tell me if there's 20,000 people a day, Chinese nationals coming in, the LAX and Kennedy and Dulles and O'Hare, wherever they're coming into, and, and a lot of them are from Wuhan, lit up like a Christmas tree with virus, that we're better off just, you know, come on down, guys. Yeah. And he just kept saying travel bans don't work. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, it's like Butch the Sunday. It's like, who is this guy? Number one. <laughs> yeah. And number two, I'm looking at him. I, I, I knew, like, I, this guy thinks he's smarter than he is, which is always dangerous. And he's going to hurt the president in this country. And what was so interesting about that day was I not only had him exactly right, but 
I I would find out later that even at that time, this SOB knew that that virus came from a bioweapons lab in Wuhan. And just just think about this. We, we all know that Fauci lied to Congress when he denied what's called these gain-of-function experiments. That's, that's yeah. when you take a harmless bat virus and turn it into a human killer, right? He lied to Rand Paul. He should be in an orange jumpsuit just for that. But in the In Trump Time book, what I really hone in on is is the bigger lie of omission now follow me here just for a second it's like i'm sitting there in the sit room i you know i'm an economist i read wrote a book about this i knew at the time that that friggin' virus came from the wuhan lab right what did fauci know like a few days later he will get a, a an email from a scientist at scripps research institute telling him flat out this virus is likely genetically engineered okay so at that point at least the the tumblers in his brain should have clicked together because he knew the following right okay virus comes from wuhan virus surfaces within yards of the wuhan bioweapons lab fauci had given grant money to that lab and he had approved this gain of function research the genetically engineered dangerous viruses. He knew all of that, guys. He knew all of that. Now, what should he have done? What should he what he should have done is go to the president, tell the task force, tell me, hey, um, we might have a problem here because there's a high probability that that thing's a bioweapon from a Chinese lab run by the Chinese military, right? If he had, that's the lie of omission. He knew all that stuff. He knew it. And it, what did he do instead? He lied by omission. He doubled down. He got this guy, Peter Daszak, uh, to co- concoct a story about how this was from nature rather than the lab. And I'll tell you, Mike's that killed millions of people worldwide because we couldn't get to the bottom of the virus right then. We didn't crack down on China and demand accountability, culpability, and information. And it changed everything. And this, to this day, this guy, Fauci, skates free. He needs to be in an orange jumpsuit. Well, he needs to be more than an orange jumpsuit. Dr. Mike? Yeah, I think, I think the most incredible thing about all of this is the encounter you had and the president had with the with the establishment of this country in both parties. And this is a prime example. There's no, but Fauci clearly should have been arrested long ago. And clearly he's been on the take from the Chinese for any, any amount of time we can imagine over the past 40 years. But what's interesting is that the president was not able to summon any section of US law enforcement to arrest people, uh, whether it was Fauci, whether it was that idiot congressman from California who slept with the Chinese spy, yeah. it, it's it's well, almost well. to the point, uh, Professor Navarro, that it, it's it's hard to have any confidence that this system can ever be cleaned up in terms of law enforcement and judiciary. Yeah, you're you're um, you're hitting on something that that really bothered me. As as um, one of the mics said earlier, I, I was only one of three senior White House officials 
uh, that was with the president all the way from the 26th campaign to the end. And one of the biggest shocks that I had coming in in 2017 was the fact that that there was so much opposition to the Trump agenda inside the perimeter, inside mm-hmm. the administration, inside Thank the bureaucracies. And um, it just there's a there's a old saw with Ronald Reagan about personnel as policy and it goes yep. back far back to Nixon as well. It's like the idea is if you hire bad people, you're going to get a bad result. And in the In Trump Time book, I expand that to bad personnel is bad policy is bad politics. And if you look at like Pence, for example, I mean, Pence at the end flat out betrayed Donald Trump. He betrayed the country. He betrayed the country, too. Country. And he did it because the people who control his purse strings uh, is are these globalist Coke network type people who are, are totally anti-Trump. They're, they're the ones who want to ship our jobs offshore, sends our factories away, take advantage of cheap labor, go over to China and prosper there while America stagnates, right? And so you see like it, it Pence at the end, at the very beginning, I had to deal with people like Gary Cohn, who's the National Economic Council director, pure Wall Street Goldman Sachs guy. In the In Trump Time book, I think one of the biggest uh, villains, and he's a true villain, was uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. I, I do believe that that single appointment made the, that election in 2020 close enough to steal because Mnuchin did so many things behind the back of the president. So, Mike, Mike, you're hitting on something that that really bothered me. And, I, I you know, I, I felt like Custer at his last stand <laughs> a lot of times uh, <laughs> in the Roosevelt Room or uh, or the Oval Office when I was uh, when I was trying to fight, fight for the president's agenda. Yeah, well, it's a res- it's a resonating thing, I think, uh, Dr. Navarro, because we're, we are a law abiding people and we believe in the law. and We've been brought up to believe in the law. But now. These people are skating after killing millions of people, stealing billions of dollars, rigging our elections. And the only people getting, uh, uh, you know, tickets or or, uh, judicial action is somebody going 25 in a 20 mile an hour zone. Uh, Everybody else skates. And I don't know how we turn that around, but I'm hoping that the president returns with uh, a crew of people he can trust on, even if they're inexperienced. One of the uh, key themes of the In Trump Time book is is that we we can't wait for 2024. We we need thank to thank you, thank you. Yeah, of what happened on November 3rd and January 6th, and um, uh, th- th- there's a big reveal uh, about January 6th that, that analogous to um, a football play in um, in uh, famous football play in NFL history of the Green Bay Packers sweep, and you know we had a strategy. Um, on January 6th to to count the legal votes. Um, Pence betrayed Trump that day. Uh, but the, 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 one of the things I say in the In Trump Time book is I lead off chapter 21. It's the last three people on God's good earth who wanted to see violence erupt on Capitol Hill that day were Stephen K. Bannon, Donald John Trump, and, and myself. And um, it was that violence that re- basically prevented 
um, the the interdiction there uh, where we could have had a chance to uncover all the fraud that I document um, in the end Trump time book and, and in the reports I did while I was still in the administration on behalf of the president. Uh, but we we we, we got to get to the bottom of what happened because with Biden there, I, I don't know if you saw the poll, 35 percent of America now wants the election overturned. I mean, that's no, like, I never saw that. We never saw that. I'm sorry. Oh, sir. you got to look at that. It came out that, that came out last week. And um, it's I mean, overturned it. I look over half of the people think the election was was rigged. Right. But mm-hmm. but to go further to the step of like 35 percent says be overturned I, I guarantee by the time people finish reading in trump time that number will be over 50 percent of everybody in this country read it dr navarro mike and i had on uh, general McInerney before the election talking about the scorecard and the hammer and i don't know if you heard any of McInerney's uh podcasts and when he was on radio and tv many times he said please don't leave don't leave. Uh, what did he say, Mike? Uh, put in the Insurrection Act, put in the yeah. martial law. He was Don't very, yeah. for a distinguished military officer, General McInerney was extraordinarily uh, non-concerned uh, about his own reputation in place. He continually suggested that the president's options were very limited because of the oath of office he took, that really it was not within his power to surrender the government to a uh, obviously corrupt, obviously uh, rigged election, and that indeed it would be turning over, as we now know, as we knew then and now, rather, be t- turning the government over to Chinese agents. And uh, it, I, I think that's exactly what happened. Now, I don't know the reasoning behind that. I don't, and I'm not asking you to reveal anything, uh, Professor Navarro, but I was, I have to admit, I was sorely disappointed that the president didn't, uh, uh, you know, stick his sword in the ground and say this far and no farther. Well, I, that's that's the significance of of the Pence betrayal. Yeah, that yeah. was that we had a we had a strategy on January sixth, and a combination of the violence on Capitol Hill and uh, the Pence betrayal uh, took took away the the one last best option. Uh, to get a legal vote count. And that was the tragedy I, I talk about in the In Trump Time book. It's a Shakespearean tragedy. For, it for is, Pence, it was, his, uh, it was his et tu brute moment. And, and he's got this um, shadowy chief of staff named Mark Short, who, who's the guy who was kind of the intermediary for the Coke network um, all his life, him between him and Pence. The Cokes, of course, um, are the ones that that uh, play a key role in funding conservative politics. But they always fund the traditional Republicans that want to offshore our jobs, not the Trump mm-hmm. Republicans who want to make America great again. And so, so short working. Um, and I, t- I tell all a story, the bigger story in the In Trump Time book. Short basically uh, was able to uh, convince Pence. Um, of the of of the ele- supposed illegality of him being able to take action, it was it was a ruse. It was wrong, 
but Pence uh, fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. I had a great relationship with Mike, uh, but there's a there's a funny story in the In Trump Time book about the how the president asked Mike to call me. Uh, I actually got the call from Pence in the Situation Room, and uh, when I got on the line, the the line went dead, and uh, I never heard heard a word from the Vice President. And my guess is that Mark Short uh, interrupted the call, and I never had a chance to talk to Mike before before he went up to Capitol Hill. And I, it, it just to me, it was like. As I described in the In Trump Time book, it was the most bizarre 60 seconds of my experience in the White House. And there was a lot of bizarre things that went on. <laughs> I bet there was. Well, one thing I want to do, I want to congratulate you. I hope you have a great success on this. But and the reason I say this very seriously, Mike knows everybody around Trump in the administration, whether they were with the campaign or professional politician handlers, whatever, the guys who came into that White House were all running out to, to sell five books before the administration was over. And I respect you, Dr. Navarro, that you were the last man standing that waited this long to put out a book that you're putting out. Well, I started keeping the journal that the book's based on uh, early in 2017 uh, because I knew I'd be part of history in some small or large way. A but big I also want. I also wanted to hold people accountable because when I told you when I saw saw all these people inside the perimeter as sappers, like sticking the boss in the back, ignoring the chain of command, you know, Mattis, Tillerson, McMaster, Kelly, all these, all these people. Um, I wanted to make sure that that the world knew what what really happened. So this last year of the administration, uh, that's what the Trump Time book's about. And, um, you know, I really appreciate talking with you guys about it. The um, the audio edition is kind of fun. Uh, I, I recorded that myself, so I'm the narrator. But uh, I also, um, and I, I'm surprised more people don't do this. I, I used a lot of um, people's own voices in the book, right? Bannon's mm -hmm. got a little spot in it. Corey Lewandowski steals the show in one of the chapters talking about trip on Air Force One. Uh, the boss has a little cameo in it. So so that, the audio one is fine if, if you're not into reading the hardcover type stuff. But, um, you know, let's see. Let's see how the public reacts. I appreciate having you guys talk about it because this is a book because it doesn't dump on the boss or Melania will be ignored by the corporate media. So it's important that you guys help me out here and Get the message out. Oh, we, we're happy to, sir. And we really we, we really admire you for what you did for the country. It's just a shame that, you know, there weren't more people like you that can see the snakes and the rodents, you know, within the White House. And this is this is the problem with bringing handlers. And, you know, some people could win a campaign and some people got to stop at that point. Or, you know, you got to watch who's around everybody else like a third ring. But, you know, you smelt it. You saw it. And you knew who was in the room and uh, yeah. you clocked it. As we say in New York, you clocked the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Taking back Trump's America. That's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro. Available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass-knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. 
Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today 